0: Well, welcome, friends, to another podcast in our series on the practices. My name is Brandon Hubble, and I'm joined as always by my friend and mentor best man and today birthday boy uh, John Lewis. Hey John how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great you might need to give a little context about what it means to be the best man. I mean am I the best man in university place? Am I? <laughs> the, best gonna tell at, us a-
0: the best man at my wedding coming. That's up right that's weeks. coming up here real soon.
1: We need to let people know that this may be the last time they hear you as a single man.
0: This is true. This is very true. This is very true. Well today we also have another guest and friend of Kingdom Story Judy Olson. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about Judy and then introduce her to our listeners?
1: Yes. Well, I'll I'll do this in two parts, Brandon. Uh, Part one of my introduction is, again, welcome, Judy. And Judy and I first met back in the early 1980s. She was the Young Life Administrator uh, for uh, Tacoma Young Life, and she held our lives and our offices together, and uh, just was a delight to be in relationship with her. And then got to be with her son, lived in the same home up in Bellingham for your internship I did up there, and so I've been part of that family for home. It's, it's the fourth four full decades, and so and she's also just really modeled the conversation we're having today, the practice around. Coaching mentoring, giving her life away to others in small settings it's it's a privilege to have you Judy welcome thank you
0: yeah so as John talked about today we'll be talking about this practice this idea of coaching and remember that these practices are in the uh, in the context of discipleship what disciples uh, do and this coaching is an idea that fits into discipleship and it's much like mentoring but Um, we've chosen to use this word coaching. um, And I think with it, it brings, um, gets rid of some of the baggage, hopefully, um, that some of us might bring with us when we hear um, this word mentoring. And so in the context of discipleship, um, there's an idea of not only being a coach, but also getting coached. Um, And these things go hand in hand and they should be part of our discipleship journey the entire way through as we're trying to become more like Jesus it's absolutely imperative that we have others around us that are helping shape that journey for us to be models, um, to be those that speak into our lives, to um, to help us get better at, at "quote unquote" playing um, the game of mm. of, of discipleship and, and Christianity. Is that?
1: Yeah, that's no, that's that that a great that's a great start. What we're really talking about is this passion that, um, and this fundamental uh, up and down of the pistons. I'm be a disciple, make disciples, be a disciple, make disciples. It's like, be a child, grow up and have children. Some of the language we've used, Brandon, is that what if everyone in the, you know, in the journey of Jesus following had a Paul, Barnabas and Timothy, you know, or a Paulette, you know, I don't know what the language (laughs) would be female-wise, but you get the idea. Is that you had somebody older and wiser, you know, somebody that was helping draw you further, you know, that you had a, a somebody in the journey with, you know, that's on your team to use that example, and then somebody that you're bringing up, a younger member on the team that you're bringing into the culture, you know, of your team, and. Uh, and so we just think that that's, um, that's small and yet so powerful and so potent when we think about our lives and what's made them change. Almost always, we can, we can point to the Paul, Barnabas, and Timothys. And so what we're advocating for here, you know, is um, even to use the, um, the image of for some of us are thinking about pastors. That's their job, you know. Their job is to, in a sense, provide for all of the sheep. And yet... Uh, so much of what Jesus did that mattered wasn't him you know, addressing the whole flock at the same time on the Sunday morning, to use that metaphor, but it's that individual care. It's coming alongside Peter in that individual conversation or the woman with the hemorrhage or the rich young ruler. It's somehow these, these intimate settings coming alongside. And, uh, and then when you add a, a sense of consistency, of coaching to them over time, the, the uh, transformation just uh, multiplies.
0: Yeah, I mean it's important for us to to see that this was a um, a practice that Jesus modeled in his own life. I mean, obviously he was a coach to the twelve and to the seventy and the, very specifically the three. But we, I think, there's something we miss in, in our context today to realize that Jesus grew up in his J- Jewish background, where he was very much mentored by his own father, where he was taught by the scribes and. Um, the others that were in the synagogue there was there was a a family of people that were raising him. he did not start his ministry until he was 30 years old there was a time for him to be taught and to grow in the wisdom and the strength and the spirit as the as the scriptures tell us and so not only did jesus do that on his part and allow himself to be coached and then to continually hear the voice of Mm. his own father um, but then he gave away um, um this coaching to all the others and john you have a story to share from the old testament that models this pretty well yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite mentoring stories, uh, coaching stories in all of the Scripture is, especially in the Old Testament, Joshua and Moses. You have Moses that very early on, uh, he's not even willing to be the full leader. He, I don't make me do this, Lord. (laughs) He's already ready to delegate from the beginning, so to speak. And for whatever reason, he makes this connection with Joshua. He needs. uh, his companion that he takes with him to the mountain when, when God's glory shows up there, he, he delegates the battles to, you know, the initial battles to the Amalekites, instead of doing it himself, he's, he's coming alongside and, 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 and his protege is, is sent out. And obviously they've, you know, there's a sense of encouragement and, and belief in and hands over. I'm watching you. I've got you covered. There's this taking him into the tent, you know, here's the secret to my, to my leadership is my fellowship with God, you know, in the tent of meeting. So you have this incredible commitment over decades so that when Moses dies, um, the handing off of leadership to Joshua is fairly seamless. We call it the the, the transition plan, you know, and a succession plan in businesses that uh, here's the succession plan like nobody's business. (laughs) <laughs> and then you have Joshua, who you would think with the very next thing he would have done is he would have picked a young, a young uh, person to come alongside and coach to eventually take his place. But that's not what he does. Of course, he's connected to God. He does, he, he's faithful. He's obedient. He's courageous. He's bold. They enter into the promised land. Um, tremendous leadership. But when he gets to the end of his life, Brandon, there's these words that are often inscribed on marriage you know, mm-hmm. paintings. But as for me and my house, the key, we will serve the Lord. It's like, y'all are gonna fail. Y'all are gonna fall away, but, but, but my little house, we're gonna be okay. In other words, he was leaving them without leadership. He had not coached people the way he had been coached. And what happened after that? All Joshua's predictions became true without strong leadership that had been mentored into place, coached into place, they went into the most chaotic period of the history of Israel, the book of Judges. Mm. And so I just highlight that as, again, we can imagine if Jesus had not chosen 12, right? And he had died. And what would have happened to the church today? a very similar model. And so again, the, the passing on of leadership through intimate relationships of coaching and um, is crucial.
0: Yeah, we can even see today just a huge... Um, kind of lack or a need that is out there for yes. uh, for people to step into this role, to give away things that they've had. My generation, those coming after me that are desperate for a type of connection and contact with that mm, yeah. um, learning of something beyond ourselves. I mean, yeah, I, I have Google at my fingertips. My generation is one that has more knowledge than most others, but I don't know what to do with it because there's nobody walking alongside me. I don't want to learn how to change an alternator by YouTube. I want somebody to teach us.
1: <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder, Brandon, if we can explain some of the chaos of 2020 and 2021 through the lens of we have a relatively unmentored generation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so to explore the connections of Moses and, and Joshua, you know, with with a, a generation that in some ways the great generation. Right. That was very successful. And yet the generation behind them was not mentored well, fathered well you know mother uh, into places of leadership and discipleship so
0: yeah yeah and so we've you know we've brought judy on and she's had quite an experience as i've heard and has yes um, <laughs> um how she got into this and even just to be able to answer and to talk into some of these problems uh that have, that we're talking about today and so john want yes. to share a little bit more about her and yes get her well, in you the know, conversation. judy
1: yeah judy uh so I'm trying to remember exactly how I um, invited her initially um, to be involved in, uh, maybe it was, I think we had to establish uh, a number of, uh, of growing, okay. I was in college ministry at University of Puget Sound there was a growing number of people being mentored into leadership roles. It was so far beyond, A, because of gender, B, because of just the quantity. And we were committed to those people and their growth, especially those who, you know, were on the point of the spear. And so we began to say, who else in the community, you know, would would be a, um, would be a natural person to come alongside and, and augment our ministry focus with just coming uh, being a life coach, helping them in their faith and their overall journey and so many issues in their college years. And Judy was one of our stars. And, and part of the reason I knew, Brandon, that she, and she could do such a good job was that she had been already meeting with my wife for a decade or, you know, at that time it was nearly a decade back in the, in the 1990s. And she met with um, Jill Hamilton, a dear friend of mine as, as well. And they had, uh, I'd seen the fruit of Judy's demeanor her her integrity, her question asking, and what it had done in my wife's life. So I knew that we were tapping into good experience. So Judy, welcome. You know, there's not a lot of people that have kind of decades of experience of being faithful to this call, this quiet call of coming alongside people and loving them, coaching them, guiding them uh, into a deeper walk in life and faithfulness. So thank you for doing that. And I, Would you be willing just to tell us, Judy, uh, just give paint uh, for the listeners a bit of a picture of what that has been like for you over the last decades. maybe some of the, just, you know, an overview of some of the different kinds of experiences, how many different kinds of women, numbers of women, and maybe the different settings you've been a coach over over the last few decades?
2: Well, I guess the biggest thing is that it's been a pure joy. Uh, You become a place where, People feel safe talking to you, and so you become a confidant. You have a privilege of speaking into their lives, and they listen. And for many of us, when we uh, when our children grow up to be adults, we are very careful how much we say. We want them to have the freedom to be living their own lives. And here we've got I've got young women who are asking me, "What can I do about this? What I'm in, in a parenting situation." Mm. Um, you know, tell me what I, what I, what did you do? And I think the other thing is that um, one of the th- reasons um, <laughs> I wanted to go into this was to help younger women avoid some of the pitfalls that I had gone into. You know, why should they have to learn everything the hard way like I did? Maybe we could avoid some of that. Um, there's the, the Titus II mandate to older women to help the younger women to, in their marriage, in their parenting, and to live a pure life. So all of that um, was a part of kind of the call. Um, John had never asked me when it came to uh, the college ministry to do anything but bring cookies. <laughs> and and uh, we'd had a conversation or an evening with him where he'd kind of given us the vision of what he wanted TCM to become. And my heart just kind of leaped. I was so excited. But I determined that I wasn't going to say anything, that if it was what God wanted me to do, that John could call and ask. And so when he did, I just started laughing. And (laughs) that was the beginning of just a great journey. Um, I led a small group of women for two years. There were juniors and seniors. Some of them, I mean, that's been like 35, 40 years ago. I'm still in touch with uh, a few of them, Um, valued friends. Uh, Carissa and Jill have become two very trusted friends. Um, And we don't just talk about trivial things when we're together. We talk about life things. And so that's been a joy. I've been involved in um, the women's ministry, uh, mentoring situation at our church, and with Mops as a mentor. Mm. And presently, my husband and I are involved in um, leading a group at our marriage ministry. And every one of these groups gives, us, gives me an opportunity to speak into younger uh, younger women, younger couples. Hmm. And the thing is about all of them, I think without exception, is when they have said, I want a mentor, when I want to be in a marriage situation, I want to be at mops. They are saying, teach me, I'm hmm. hungry. Let me hear from you. And that's pretty, uh, you know, that's a really neat place to be, to feel so honored.
1: Well, I, I love what you're saying there, Judy, because there is, uh, there is a sense that a number of ministry settings were trying to help people want <laughs> to get hungry, right? For, and the, the beauty of kind of the coaching relationship is that it really only can work if if the person you know that's that's wanting to grow is communicating that uh, to the person who they're meeting with and that just kind of in some ways gives you an open door doesn't it i mean that exactly. it's very rewarding isn't it
2: yes it's exactly that
1: now, yeah you know, you've and you've focused primarily on um on young women which and 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 helping them in particular areas of family and faith and parenting and, and marriage how, um, how would you say when you meet with people, can you give us a picture of how those conversations naturally happen or, you know, how much do you rely on them? You know, do you ask questions? Do, yeah, I mean, maybe just give us a picture of, of kind of a, of a typical time with, with someone you meet with.
2: Well, to begin with, every mentoring situation is unique. There's no two that are mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, um, And usually we start out by asking, I usually start out by asking, what do you want from this mentoring mm-hmm. time? What, what, what is it you're looking for? And how do, how do you think we can best accomplish that? And most of the women that I have been involved in are already in at least one Bible study, if not more. And so they don't want another Bible study. They mm-hmm. want to talk about the real issues that they're struggling with in their lives. And then how do we apply scriptural truths to those um, so it's it's just a matter of of building a friendship building trust uh asking questions that that they they want me to ask for having them ask questions and then we go from there hmm. uh, like i said everyone is different there's never been two the same and i don't know how many i've met with over <laughs> the years but but a lot and uh some of them have been continuing friendships some of them we've just they've gone to different places, military who've moved away, some military we've kept in touch with. You know, it's just everything is different with each each situation.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, um, and that's I mean, and that's the the beauty when you think about the common experience that and when Jesus is preaching and teaching, he does parables, there's certain things in common, but then when you get to his individual conversations, they're all different. They're, they're completely based on the, what the person brings to him at the moment. And so I think that part of what I'm you know, reading into what you're saying, Judy, is that uh, for those of us who like spontaneity, you know, who like to follow the flow and the needs, that the, that the coaching relationship is ideally suited because we come to serve rather than to initiate a program, to initiate an agenda. We assume God's already working in their lives and it's our job kind of uncover that and discover that and, and help that fan fan the flames of that. What does that make sense? Is that your part yes, of your experience? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And, and another thing that that being in that kind of a relationship brings is accountability. Hmm. It's just kind of built in because you ask questions and there you've already established the, the relationship where there's real honesty and vulnerability. So huh. accountability is a part Say of it. Say a little
1: too. more about accountability, Judy, because I think that word can uh, be be misunderstood uh, at times, and from its full meaning or its full blessing in someone's life. What does accountability um, look like? Yeah, between you and somebody you're meeting with.
2: I think it's for me, it's just been asking pertinent questions, hard questions. Sometimes when I see when I see a red flag of any kind, or even if I don't, being uh, willing to say, "Hey, how are you doing?" Um, in your thought life? Are you in the scriptures? Um, you know, what's happening in your family? What's happening in your friendships? Are you carrying a grudge? Um, you know, what do we need to address? Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, no,
1: absolutely. So here, here, Judy, I'd love to, to, because of all your experience, you've been a church person, you've been in groups before, and you've, but you've also spent a lot of time in, in individually with people. Why is it that people are more willing to hear those kind of questions you just mentioned in a context with one other person, then they would be willing to address them in a group setting. Does that make yeah? What's the magic of the one-on-one relationship that allows you to go those places?
2: I think it's just trust. Hmm. Friendship and trust. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I wonder, yeah, and, and that what friendship provides is that I'm known. That I'm not just a cog in the wheel that you care. And maybe they know. And this is so great about you too, Judy. Is this? It's not just the questions you ask; it's the way you ask them and when you ask them, that they know it's part of your love for them. Um, say something uh, to Judy about. Um, you know, you mentioned on the front side that part of what coaching others has allowed you to do is is to pass on not only your quote successes, but also passing on, um, here's what I wish I had done differently, right? In other words. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what role your own storytelling, you're your sharing your own vul- vulnerabilities and struggles and even dare say failures at times, how has that been an important ingredient along the way with these relationships?
2: Well, that's definitely a learning curve for me um, my generation doesn't share failures and vulnerabilities very easily, but being in relationship with younger women who share very, very freely has freaked me up. Hmm. Um, so that has not been something that has ever come easily. It's mostly been, oh, just, you know, learn from, um, I wish I had done this instead of that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and you're touching there, Judy, on in some ways... <laughs> we benefit ourselves when we come alongside someone else to help them grow, right? So we become um, people that are stretched and challenged by by this relationship. Say, maybe uh, when you think about um, over the years and all these settings with all these folks, can you say something just about how this practice has shaped you how has it benefited you and who you've become over the years? So one would be is the willingness to be more vulnerable. Maybe is, what else would you add to that? Um,
2: Well, I would just, I think where I was going to head with that was just my time with Jill and Carissa. Hmm. Um, It has been, it has developed from what started out in the beginning to be a mentoring situation to now it's more of a trust situation and a two-way street where I feel like I learn maybe more than what I teach. Um, Jill and Carissa have developed into beautiful women of God who walk their talk and who are involved in their ministries that are amazing. And I get to be the benefit of hearing what they're doing. um, And often it will There'll be something that they will say that will challenge me. Um, But we have been friends and been meeting for, and we don't meet that often,
1: Hmm. especially now this
2: last year, we've only met a few times, but we always just take up where we left off. And um, so there's no gap. But I I think, I think that almost every, well, maybe without exception, every, every single Mentoring situation has been a two-way street where I've always learned so much. It's made me more comfortable with my children and grandchildren being with other other women and their generation. I understand more.
1: Um, wow,
2: that's, yeah,
1: I love that, and I think you're you're tapping into something really significant. Uh, we could almost take an entire session on this, but that the that the seasons that you've passed through with with jill and carissa over you know when you when you meet for 25 years you're not doing things the same way or in the same and the same context and you've grown and developed i think about parenting you start off changing diapers and teaching them the basics and then 20 years later you're saying well you're my friends you know in other words we have an adult adult relationship and yet they still need my kids still can look to me for some kind of coaching and mentoring and so there's a very real sense for those who are listening that the practice of being coached is more intensive maybe at the beginning, you know, to meet more often, to get more direct uh, input, accountability, all of that stuff. But then as you grow, you may start by having three or four different people giving input in your life. But over time, you know, and you get, gain momentum, you're going to be a slow shift to meeting less often perhaps to having a fewer mentors. But now you're spending more of your coaching time coaching others right and so there's this sense that as you develop over a long period with christ that this whole practice of coaching grows and morphs and changes and what you get out of it uh, is same but also different in the different seasons so yes yes. let's talk a little bit about uh uh, if we, as a group here, Brandon, you've been uh, quietly listening, and I know you've got things to say here. Um, let's talk as a group now, as a, as a trio, around the reality of why is it then that if, if coaching has so many benefits, if Jesus so well modeled it, if we look in our own lives and are so grateful for those people, then why are so few people committed to having coaches you know having people walk alongside one-on-one in their life or to be that for others in the next generation i would just love to know from your all's experience what are the barriers that kind of get in the way let's talk about it for a minute
0: i'll start uh yeah yeah uh, um you know one of the i think the one of the biggest challenges um that i've seen and and out there is that there are some that are, that are really trying to make a concerted effort at coaching. Um, and they're doing a horrible job at it. Um, uh, but part of the, but the main reason is, is because they've never been coached before. Um, the, as, as, as a reality and, and how, um, how beneficial this is on both sides, somewhere along the line, it got pushed, um, to the responsibility of a teacher in a classroom or a coach literally on the field or your boss at your, at your work. But, uh, but the parents passing some of these on in, in generations today, and even a lot of men that I'm working with down at the, the rescue mission and other places have never been coached before. They have, hmm. the, the destruction that is behind them in their lives is because they have no clue how to live a different way. Um, right and and so they've just never been coached I mean and that's an extreme example but just in the day-to-day I think there's a lot of um, people who just simply haven't been coached in a how to do life but then how to do life for Jesus and and what that yeah you know is really like
1: well that's you know and you're bringing that up Brandon I like that coaching images that and you and I talked about this a few days ago is the difference between like a line coach on a football team and a head coach and whatever the image is is that that a parent has the role of caring for somebody holistically. And, and uh, so you may have had somebody at school that carried about, you know, your English performance as an English teacher or your basketball performance as a basketball coach. But, but we need somebody in our life, you know, to coach us like holistically, that's, that cares how the different parts relate. And I'm hearing that in your, Judy, I'm hearing that you care about these women in multiple facets of their life and you see those different parts integrated. And so I would just say, Brandon, amen, not only do we need to be coached, but we need to be coached by somebody like a parent, uh, even in our spiritual life, who sees the big picture and who is gonna walk us through a holistic foundation, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that, how can we pass that on? If to others, so you-
2: I, and it can be as simple as, as like when Jill and I first started meeting, I had teenagers and she was a newlywed, so <laughs> I was we were just walking through different stages of life, and, yep. and that that was the case all the time. She was raising her children.
1: Yeah,
2: um, another completely different scenario is in our re-engage group. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about conflict and how many of their parents had resolve conflict in their marriage. Not one. Wow. They had no good model of how to resolve conflict. So there's so many ways that we can pass on what we've learned, whether it's through uh, being in church and being taught that way or being modeled. Yeah. You know, we don't have the 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 scenario anymore of community where we're learning from people older than us. And so we have to we get that going again.
1: Now, that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're, you're pointing out that the only way to grow in discipleship is not to be coached, right? I mean, there are ways we pick it up in relationships when it's modeled to us. Coaching adds a unique uh, ability, though, to help us in an area where we haven't had a chance to model or witness it as much, right? where we can hear through the stories of other, where maybe where it's harder. This is not something that's easy just to watch and learn that I may need some extra help. And so the coaching relationship is something that uh, takes takes, um, the obstacles away from transformation through the extra attention of conversation, of processing, accountability, et cetera. Um, I'd love to know Judy too, in your in your church context, where you have so you know like so many women in the church, how many of them are actually coaching other young women in the church? And what have you seen has been kind of an obstacle for more of the you know other older women in the church to give away what they who they are to other young women? Why aren't there more Judy's in your church? What would you say?
2: Well, the positive part of that is that because it's been going on for so many years. Um, and there's a lot of teaching and equipping that going on. We probably have about 40 wow. um, groups of you know twosomes, um, but there's also just a reluctance of I don't know enough. I, I don't want that responsibility. Kind of what Brandon was saying, it's just scary. Um, I don't want to be in that situation. I'm I i do not want to be that responsible, and I it's 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 hard to overcome. But the fact that we have had pretty good success. And then through the group settings with MOPS and um, Reengage, there's a number more. So probably
1: So I'm guessing that, so part of it is, is anytime you start something, there's the unknown. So all of a sudden I come to your church and I see there's 40 w- women doing this and having a success immediately. Some of my inhibitions are, are addressed, right? So that's part of, I love that idea of you've got history and a culture that's making it easier. How would you how would you um, speak to someone who comes and says, I don't feel like I'm adequate to do this. You know, you're, you're, what would you say, what would be one or two things you would say to them to dispel that misunderstanding?
2: If, you're, uh, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have something to share with somebody else mm-hmm. that doesn't know as much as you do. If you've lived life, <laughs> You've got some either successes or failures to share that will help someone else along the way. There's yeah. no one that doesn't have something to give.
1: And so there's that sense that a mentor is not somebody who has it all together. A mentor is somebody on the journey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and ironically, Judy, I have found, and Baron, and I'd be interested to know what you think. I've uh, when you work with people who are struggling, you know, which is, by the way, most of us, when we actually lead with our vulnerability, we actually build more trust. The irony is that nobody is wanting perfect people to be their mentors. They actually want to know that we're struggling like they are. Does that resonate with anyone? Yeah, that's true. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about with coaching is a commitment to come alongside somebody and help them go, you know, in a positive direction. It doesn't mean that we're an expert. It doesn't mean that even that we have to have a lot of of knowledge in any particular area, but we have to be willing to give away what who we are to another to help them in their journey, um, uh, to go farther up and deeper in. To use S. Lewis's language, you know, to become more like Jesus. Uh, other thing, yeah, yes. One other
2: thing uh, that we found to be a, a great part of our success is that we have a starting time and an ending time mm. of commitment, so that we're not asking you to commit to being a mentor to this person for the rest of your life? Would you do it for a year?
1: Yes. No, I like that. And let's Judy, let's lead that into uh, some starting places, right, Brandon, Of you know, like how do we get from, okay, I'd like to jump in and how would I get started? And so, boom, right away. Uh, one thing is if you can find a group of people that are already doing this, like at your church, Judy, that's really helpful to have some structure. It can be, it's one way. The other way is to set a limit of, uh, of some boundaries so that nobody feels like they're trapped for life. Um, what other things would we want to say would be important in getting um, started on this journey of um, of being a coach?
0: I think something that I'd, I'd want to say is, you know, the, we're, we're talking about something very you know particular here and, it, um, and even using some analogies, but, the, the reality of the way God has set up coaching and, and the relationships of people. I think mean, one of the things I would begin to start encouraging anyone who wants to start doing this is really just begin to open your eyes and, and look around. Um, I, I guarantee you somebody is in front of you or has presented themselves um, or God is presenting them to you as someone that you can lean into and begin to start giving your life away to whatever degree. And it, it won't be as hard um, to find as as some might think, or, or as hard to engage in. And you may have found that you're engaging in it already. Uh, you just didn't know that that's what you were doing. Um, and so for someone who's either afraid of this um, or leaning in well part yeah for the person that's afraid I would even say to you you're already coaching somebody by your absence and so (laughs)
1: um,
0: (laughs) um, and so even to recognize some of that um, and and, yeah and lean in so just to the first as a first step to begin opening your eyes and look around um, what are you seeing that's in your immediate vicinity
1: so so Brandon and Judy building on that that flow of thinking and I'm I'm thinking about how Jesus didn't wait for people, you know, very often to say, can I follow you? He said, you come follow me. What's, what do you see as the next step? You know, how do we initiate with somebody that we think would potentially, you know, be a good fit for us to come alongside? What's our role? Do we wait for other people to initiate with us? Is that realistic today? If not, what do we need to keep in mind as we think about how to initiate with somebody and start a relationship like that?
2: If it hadn't been for Jill coming to me and asking me, (laughs) I probably wouldn't have started. I'm sure I wouldn't have started. I had no idea what was involved, no idea where to go with it. It was completely new territory. So if there's someone that I'm talking from the mentee's perspective, someone that you respect, someone that you've been watching, watching their life, ask, ask, and then find someone to help. Um, To help equip that person.
1: Yep.
0: From, uh, I mean, for me, it's, that's taken me a little bit. I've, I've, I know your question and I will get there, John, but even for me, the first two that came into mind approached me um, as after teaching them in a class for quite a while, I had two that approached me, but beyond this, there's been more that I've engaged in and um. And I, it begins with seeing, but then as you start asking those questions and leaning in to really beginning to understand what people are wanting um, and looking for, and then presenting the question,
1: um,
0: do you, are, are you wanting someone to follow, you know, in, in other words, as Jesus right. said, come and follow me, um, you know, in this, it's it's a little different. We don't necessarily come and follow me, but it's more of an, of an asking, like, are you looking for someone to follow? I would present my life to you, yeah. um, you know, to do that. And so that has been a way that I've done, it, especially down with the guys at the mission um and some others at church as i've gotten beyond the hurdle of those that came forward and said hey <laughs> i want to be i want to be mentored you know kind of judas experience and that's what taught me and got me in but now the seeking um and asking for those that are ready those yeah. that are showing interest those that have responded yeah. to certain things already you know um, i think believe jesus did know these guys it wasn't a cold call um to some degree right
1: <laughs> well that's important is you're spending down time at the mission facilitating experiences of scripture but also telling your story and they're telling their story and in that environment there's an opportunity just like, you know, dating or something for like a combustion for a right. connection. And so, you know, Jesus knew enough about Peter that he could say, I'm going to make you a fishers of men. In other words, I know that that's kind of how you're wired. So you're not saying, let me be just, you know, a parent in your life, but let me, it seems like you want to grow here. Let's do that together. Right. So getting to know people enough to, to find that connecting point and to be able to speak with confidence that you know them and that and you could maybe offer them the journey of friendship and coaching. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Anything I about think also, yeah, go ahead. I
2: think also that you guys, John and Brandon, as you see people that you feel would good be good, mentor, good mentors that you would do, or good coaches, you would do the same as you did for me, hmm. that you would go to them and say, hey, we see something in you, would you be willing to share your life? Hmm.
1: Now that's good. You think about whether it's business leaders or church leaders, Judy, organization leaders. That's part of our mantle, isn't it? That if we're a coach committed to reproducing ourselves and empowering others, that that helping others become mentors is a key strategy uh, can be entering. It's like a head coach that realizes they need a whole coaching team, you know. And so you're absolutely right. It's a good word. Is how to start. with you, our yeah, starting with and our and you would need
2: to provide some equipping.
1: Yep. So for those of you who are thinking about wanting to be a coach again at one level it's it's not as complicated as you think it is but it's not something that you just merely look on your phone how to be a mentor and google it it's it's meant to be done in the context of community get some help come alongside somebody who's done that how did you know what did you learn Be mentored in how to be a coach. (laughs) Um, Take the time because this is a lifelong, transformational skill and journey that is worth the time and the effort. um, By all means, um, in our lives. So.
0: Yeah, it's one of the beauty beauty gifts that the more you coach, the more you'll need to be coached.
1: Hmm. (laughs) No, I love and and when you coach, you realize you have to know and live what you're coaching as but also you're also i'm also forced when i do that to admit my where i fall short and so it breeds in me a kind of a constant sense of humility and eagerness to grow so we could spend some time if we had more time what has how have the three of us been blessed and changed over the years in our faith journey with christ through being coaches so yeah
0: yeah (laughs) We'll have to bring Judy back for another follow-up episode as we yeah. <laughs> dive deeper into those things. But Judy, it's been a pleasure talking with you today to hearing your journey and just all your insight and wisdom mm-hmm. for this. John or Judy, are there any last you know, comments or thoughts on this subject? Thank you. No?
1: <laughs> no, no, I just, I hope people feel like that this isn't something for the elite. That this is something for the masses. This is something that Christ intended, you know, uh, for all of us in our journey to find our place and coming alongside and helping make disciples. This is the command and the call. It has to be accessible. And uh, Lord, Lord's blessings on all those listening who, who find themselves taking a commitment a step deeper in that direction.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really say it, and I, I say this to many of the men down at the mission who believe that they've. Um, they have nothing to give because of the life that they've lived. And they look to me as a mentor and a coach. And I look right back at them and say, you have things in that mind, heart, and soul that I need. Please share them with me and share them with the world. And so I encourage all those that are listening, that there is someone who needs to hear what you have. Please do not hold it back. Um, Begin coaching today. Find someone to share your story with and and Mm. to engage in it. And to remember that John and I are just two disciples
1: Trying to find our way into God's story. (laughs) Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you again, Judy. And we'll talk to all of you uh, later.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Brandon, for hosting.